Hey everyone, welcome to the next episode of e-commerce insights. I'm your host, Scott DeGrossier, founder and CEO of Wicked Reports. Today I have a longtime friend and esteemed colleague, Ralph Wicked Burns. How you doing, Ralph? I'm doing wicked good, Wicked Scott. That's fantastic. <laughs> Ralph runs Tier 11 Media, a very large e-commerce focused agency. He's also the podcast maestro behind Digital Marketer Perpetual Traffic, which is arguably probably the most downloaded or very close to most downloaded marketing podcast there is, I'd say. It's pretty impressive. It's up there. Yeah. Kind of, it, was a, it was a big snare to get you on the show, I got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. All you had yeah. to say is I'll buy you a couple of beers. And I said, yep, <laughs> sure. Uh, I'll come on. A couple of trilliums. A couple of trilliums down the A <laughs> couple of trilliums. Now we're talking, brother. That's right. So we got a lot to talk about today. I want to cover uh, iOS 14 changes. I want to talk about your e-commerce strategies. Mm-hmm. I know you're, you're managing 100 million plus now. So people want to know how you got there as well for the agencies out there. So three juicy topics. Let's talk about what everyone's on. Everyone's mind right now, though, is on iOS 14. What are you doing to prepare? What do you think is going to be the impact? What are the unknowns we got to like flush out here on the podcast? We're doing absolutely nothing. We're just going <laughs> to let it all flow and don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. There you go. We're on to the next topic. Awesome. Yeah, it's good. Don't do anything. <laughs> don't freak out, as Scott would say. Don't freak uh, out. No, I mean, it's it's definitely it's something that we're sharecropping on Facebook's property. So it's like, this is what happens when you're an agency, especially a high volume agency like us. We've seen stuff like this happen before. We've had to deal with pixel migrations in the past. Does anybody remember Power Editor way back when? Oh, yeah. I mean, the changes that come with this platform are just part of the business. So if you can't handle it and you're freaking out and you're like, oh my God, my business is going to collapse because of this. Well, welcome to Facebook advertising, everybody. I mean, if it was easy, everybody would do it. And for us as an agency, as a high volume agency, you know, we have strategies in place right now. We have safeguards in place that it will allow us to continue to advertise as a high performance direct response advertising agency. We do you know, a lot of e-commerce, like you said, but we also do a fair amount of digital products, info products. That's actually where we sort of got our start and then transferred that knowledge and that strategy over to e-com. But this is nothing new. So, I mean, I, I think as Apple continues to do what they're going to do, Facebook is going to counter. I've been surprised a little bit by the lateness of the response for Facebook, quite honestly, I think, you know, some of the things that they're doing right now, as of this recording, they should have been doing nine months ago because they knew it was coming. I think they thought they could negotiate their way around this and they just haven't been able to do it. You and I both know that this is all about not doing the greater good here and not doing the thing that, you know, will elevate Apple's status. It certainly will help them from a PR perspective you know, protecting your data yeah. in air quotes. But at the end of the day, this is about money. And this is about a new revenue source for them. And, you know, people that are in our industry, and you've thought this yourself, Scott, like this is sort of the steps that they're taking towards creating their own ad network. And why wouldn't they, you know, and they're going to edge out Facebook because Facebook's model is really, really lucrative. So, you know, with that being said, uh, you know, there's things that you can do as a, as a business owner or an agency, if you're listening as an agency, to safeguard against it. But also, 
this is going to be a moving target. We're going to really have to see what the impact is because it's fairly significant from our perspective. I mean, we've looked at back at our last 90 days, 180 days, and we're about 62% on Apple, you know, and that means that we're exposed to a certain degree. Uh, it really depends on how many people opt in or opt out of that ATT prompt, which is sort of the big deal. And, you know, we'll have to see how things work out. But I mean, we've been putting things in place, like obviously, you know, as a high volume advertiser, we get a lot of advice from Facebook. So we've been sort of going along with their advice. But, you know, a lot of the guidance that they're coming out with now, we found that is helpful. Uh, and we're sort of figuring out ways around it. Uh, I think the big news sort of this week that we realized within the last week or so is that these eight events, prioritizing events, you still are going to be able to get some visibility there. But also we've got API integration with every single one of our customers, especially if you're Shopify, if you're a Shopify store, that's super easy to do. That's like your no brainer. You want to do that uh, first and foremost. But you know, as far as the overall strategy goes, we're going to have to see. I don't think it's going to be as bad as everybody says it's going to be. And I think Facebook is smart. Like, you know, even though they sort of seem like they're late to the game here, I think some of the things that are coming out right now, they actually are being more proactive than I think they're telling us. And remember, Facebook always knows way more than they tell you that they know. And <laughs> like that has been always the case. So it's like they hold so much in reserve. Remember like the Facebook attribution tool, which still is there and it's going to be sunsetted. It's like, oh my God, they've got 90 day data. Didn't realize that. I only thought it went back 28 days. They have whatever data you know, they really want to pull. My guess is that, and my estimation is that we're going to come out of this just fine in the end, but it's going to cause a lot of turmoil in the short term. Yeah, that sunset. I remember that came out. People like, Are you, is Wicked Reports dead? And I was like, mm, we'll see. If it's, a side, if it's a side hobby for a company, <laughs> attribution has to be your friggin' life <laughs> to make yeah. it work. Absolutely. The aggravated event is going to be aggravating if you don't set up your events. So you have the eight standard events, and then you're going to have your custom events. And then there's a line in there about the highest priority event. So yeah. how's that going to work if like someone becomes a lead? My guidance I got from my marketing partner manager was that in the, the support was that they'll all be reported on, but they might only use the highest priority to optimize. And they said it's a moving situation, though. So I'm like, yeah. does that mean the lead campaigns suffer or do you just have to, you know, so, and they weren't sure. They, they didn't give me a straight answer on that. So I don't know if you got a better answer than me. They were like unsure of what was going to happen. They have been vague on that for us too. But I think if we look back and we look into all our, you know, many, many dozens of ad accounts, I mean, there is really one particular event that is the seminal event. It's the most important event and it feeds all the other events. I mean, how we actually manage $100 million in ad spend through basically events firing, which we can get into, that's going to be more of a challenge for us right now because that's a system that's worked really, really well. We might have to sort of change and alter our methodology. But at the end of the day, if you're optimizing for purchase, which is where we're optimizing for, and I would say 90% of our accounts, I mean, we do a lot of e-com, like I said, if prioritization means that we just have visibility on one event, like we can deal with that. I don't know what that really means though. Does that mean that the other seven events are less important? You know, the view content, the add to cart, the page view. That's my everything opinion. Else, the lead. That's, 
Why would they throw that in? And I sent I it know. to the support person. I sent it to all these other, you know, I know the, the guy that was running the, the conversion API project for a couple major things. And no one wants to like commit <laughs> to what that's going to mean. So very just, vague. They have it. it in there though. They, why did they throw it in there if no one's going to like, if it didn't matter? So that'll be interesting. I thought that I feel like first party data is going to become more important because as long as you have the email address, then you can do it. You can still do whatever you want. So yeah. if they ATT opt out of tracking, but you capture their email address, you can, that's your first party data. So you still can target them. Thanks to that. You're just not using the phone number lookup to target them. You're using the fact that they've opted into your marketing. Mm -hmm. So that's one piece for delayed sale conversions that don't buy right away. That's a strategy that will counteract that quite well. I mean, totally legal and not going anywhere. So. Yeah, absolutely. And as long as it, like from an agency perspective, as long as it's done in accordance with, you know, all the privacy protection acts that are out there, which is the legal minefield we've had to sort of wade through the last couple of years, I think you're fine. I mean, the question is, is if you're, if you're capturing a first party event, like a lead, and then you have a sync going back into ads manager, you're still going to miss a certain amount of matches. So it's not ideal there. I mean, at least it's your data. You're capturing that data. Once again, it's like, think about it this way. This is the challenge of being a Facebook advertiser. Like I said, to start, it's not your platform. It never was. So all this stuff sucks, but you know, it's what you have to deal with as an advertiser. And if you look back 10 years ago, like we didn't even have this level of tracking that we're now going to get with this iOS 14, if it is in fact doomsday, which I don't think that it is. You know, direct response used to be measured by, you know, a coupon code that they would get <laughs> from a mailing, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it, it's like, think about how spoiled we are as advertisers, which is great. That's why we pivoted eight years ago to basically only Facebook and Instagram. And now we do a bunch of other social channels. The point is, is like, we've been spoiled for a while. So I think this is going to bring out the best marketers in the coming year or so. And I also think, unfortunately, the weaker advertisers are going to be whittled away and it's the strong do survive. Ultimately, it's like not to be like Darwinian here, but I do <laughs> think that that's going to happen. The ones that are just skating by, you know, are, are barely have a business and just have an offer and one that does not have a war chest of cash in case they actually go negative a month. Those businesses that are relying on Facebook and Instagram, especially with some of these changes might not last, which is unfortunate. But I think, you know, shakeouts like this tend to occur every so often. And this might be the one in 2021. I, I'd agree with you on that wholeheartedly. So the people that just buy a, a cheap course and then think, I'm a Facebook marketer. Like right. you got to spend the time in the trenches. <laughs> and now more than ever, you can't just say the algorithm is going to bail me out. So it'll be interesting too. Facebook has a thing called ag that, that aggregated event measurement where they're going to just model the results. You know, as someone who's a data scientist, the more stale the data, the worse the model. Right. So it'll be interesting to see like people wire in the conversion API. Is that going to be feeding the models? It's very likely. That's pixel insurance is what that conversion API is. Because for a day when the pixel becomes illegal, well, they want the conversion API being put in place to cover that inevitability and also be pixel insurance where the pixel misses things, you know, they miss fire or damn pixels just don't cooperate sometimes yeah they never have you know are you are you guys doing anything with the conversion api 
we are. We're having every customer be plugged into it. I mean, with Shopify, it's super easy to do. Yeah. We've already done all right. those. So we actually just this morning, we were finalizing our list of, of custom sites um, and other platforms, which is a little bit more complex depending on if our customer has dev. Fortunately, we have a pretty solid dev team here that we can help out with. But yeah, we're absolutely doing that. We've we started doing it months ago, in fact, but you know, for some of our custom sites and some of our customers. So I do think that that is a safeguard. At the very least, you should be doing that. I mean, you should be following Facebook's advice, which is, you know, verify your domain. The first thing, if you're an app, that was easy. you know, that was pretty simple. Only you have to log into like your GoDaddy or whatever. Yeah. If you haven't been in there a while, it might be like, hmm, what do I do now? Um, so, I mean, if you're an app user, you have to update to the, the latest version. We don't do a whole lot of app stuff. So, I mean, just at a base level, definitely do that. And then all this, you know, if you can integrate with API, you should be doing that as well, just as a safeguard. My guess is that that's where the puck is going eventually. I think you got to be leveraging that and at least have it in there. You guys obviously tap into it at Wicked Reports and you know how it how it is. And then also look at other ways in which to to view your reporting. And, you know, obviously the sponsor of this podcast is a very good solution there. So, I mean, I would certainly, you know, you, you can't have enough data. And like I said, like the attribution tool inside Facebook is going to be sunsetted, which is probably good news for you. And also, you know, <laughs> you're not sad. Yeah. And Google Analytics, like the more you can actually view what's going on, uh, the better. So it'll be an interesting ride in the next couple of months. But you know, you got to roll with the punches and at least, you know, start to put some of these safeguards in place. I wonder if that seven day, so the attribution models are going from 28 day click to seven day click yeah. from the time of the conversion event instead of the time of the click. So it's a double whammy. You're losing three weeks of credit and they're picking a different point to measure. So that's going to, it's puzzling why they did both, <laughs> but that's going to be a little stressful on the numbers as well. And, you know, seven days isn't, that's interesting. So you have seven days to get the credit. Mm-hmm. which I don't think is, sometimes that's fair, sometimes it isn't, depends on what you sell, depends on the ad. But what my beef always was with the, with their attribution was you don't get credit for the lifetime value. Like, because a lifetime value can be much more important of a strategy. If you have a, a product that's got recurring, like, uh, you know, you guys have a couple people that have recurring, like the juiced guy. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you have other ones, but that one I just remember. Yeah. Like if they're going to recur and you get the sale and then they recur for a, a year at 1500 bucks, you're only going to get that seven-day capture of the revenue of that first sale. Where you know, five months out, if you have you know a thousand people recurring at a hundred bucks, you know that's a hundred k. And you can say, "Hey, Juice Guy, I just made you a hundred k." And in Facebook, you're not going to be able to show any of that. So, yeah, I mean that that seven day is going to you know take out twenty one days of credit for us, which is is going to be a challenge for sure. I mean, I think you know from our from reporting, I mean that's that's an important part to it. It's like you, oh, you also remember you're getting, you know, you're populating back for people who aren't familiar with that with a 28 day click attribution. If you bought today, you know that obviously that would show in your results for this past week, provided it was your last click and it was the the most recent entry as far as like your interaction with the Facebook ad. But mm-hmm. now, you know, if you had clicked on an ad. 21 days ago or 27 days ago and didn't actually take any other action today on Facebook, then you would not see that 
credit come in to the to ads managers. So that's problematic in some cases. I mean, we're sort of doing an analysis right now of how much of our customers are on delayed attribution like that. Most of our customers look at a month, but we we issue weekly reports to say, you know, this is what you did in a specific week, but also a monthly report of like how you're doing overall. We tend to see purchases and leads and all that sort of stuff sort of backfill as time goes on, which is fine. But, you know, I don't think it'll be a game breaker for us. Mm -hmm. I do think it's... It's going to be problematic in certain customers who have very tight margins, but also we're going to have to supplement that with you know third-party data. Yeah, which... I think higher priced, um, higher priced might be tough. Higher priced is more consideration phase for sure. You get the lead on Facebook and then you close them on email, for example. Mm-hmm. It's like twenty days out, and then you're gonna you're gonna get the shaft <laughs> on that one. You know, yeah, Facebook yeah, you definitely will. Facebook's gonna get reporting. will get the shaft actually. So. Just but wicked reports will show it. So wicked reports is going to show that. I'm going to turn this into an infomercial, by the way. I'm <laughs> with the chicks. <laughs> See, I don't mind just. I'll be handed stuff. divorce papers at the same time, probably <laughs> if I do that. <laughs> she, won't, she won't last. <laughs> she won't be like what? Bikini what? Girls? I read the transcript. What? <laughs> what did you say about me? Nothing but wonderful things. You're my always. number one salesman, Melissa. Always. Yeah, <laughs> we always sometimes we'll have Melissa. one. She'll be on a demo call and then she'll be like, hey, Scott, come here. And we'll have to be like, we're not a mom and pop shop. There's actually like 30 people, <laughs> kids gear in the back and the founders popping in on a demo and they're like, what? Gather around the dining room table. Yeah. yeah and I got my brother working, my father-in-law, and then 30, 20 some people that aren't related to me. That's <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> it's That's fun. Good. I love it actually. So yeah. I wouldn't have well, any other way. <laughs> so your e-commerce strategy, I remember you had, you had this one that was like a couple steps and then you had like a seven phase. You have the good buzzwords for it, but I just remember there's like seven different ad sets. Was it seven little stages or is it e-com sets? Yeah. Stage? Yeah. It's called the e-com ad amplifier ah, and uh, amplifier. we can, yeah, we can maybe leave some links in the show notes to it. But in essence, it's a way in which we organize campaign structures based upon where an individual is in your customer journey. I love that. So, yeah. So in essence, it's like meet them where they're at based upon the action that they previously took. So for example, it's, it's based on three different levels or, or, you know, lots of different individual assets, but in essence, five different and distinct levels of traffic. The first one is level one, which is cold traffic. These are people that don't know who you are. These are your lookalike audiences, your interest-based audiences, and we typically will do some exclusions there, not always. Level two traffic is someone who has clicked maybe on your ad, visited your website, maybe watched a percentage of the video that they see in the newsfeed. Maybe they've clicked through to your page. Not many people do that, but they still do. They've engaged with your ad in some way, shape, or form. That's what we refer to as level two traffic. So they lightly know who you are. They might not know everything about you, but they're at least exposed to, to a certain degree, you and your brand. So that's level two traffic. Level three traffic, especially for e-commerce people, and we have an ad amplifier that's non-e-commerce, but I'll just speak to the e-commerce here. Mm-hmm. This is somebody who's maybe clicked from your ad, landed on your maybe your collection page, your sales page, you know, maybe some other landing page specific to a product, but has not clicked on the product page as of yet. So this would then fire 
what we refer to as the view content event. This is why the eight events are so important. This mm -hmm. is how we segment out the traffic. So level one is cold, don't know who you are. Level two is they've either engaged with a video or maybe clicked through to a page, maybe fired that page view event, gone no further. Level three is they've actually selected a product. Okay, well, I like you know, the red hockey stick and maybe I'll throw in the skates on top of it. So they've selected two products on the wicked Scott crazy hockey guy.com. All right. <laughs> My wife's like, cause I'm heading downstairs to the wicked dungeon here. You're wearing that on your podcast. <laughs> I'm like, Babe, that's good. <laughs> yes, obviously, I'm going down to the podcast. This is my shirt. That's what I'm wearing. <laughs> so I've selected either uh, Appetite for Destruction yes. and Use Your Illusion. So you know those two separate products. In each one of those on a Shopify store, like each one of those products, if you were to be you know selling illegally Guns and Roses gear <laughs> on your Scott site, you would fire a view content event. So that view content event then indicates, all right, this is somebody who's selected a product. They actually know what they're potentially going to buy. They have an interest in those two products. So we'll show an ad to them that's slightly different. Last but not least, or second to last rather, is let's say I add use your illusion to my cart and then I abandon. That fires the add to cart event. So these are all events all throughout the site. And then last but not least, if I take you and use your illusion and then I buy it, I then become a purchaser. Now I'm at level five. So at each one of those levels, one, two, three, four, and five, we have ads and ad assets that we typically will use that will talk to the individual based upon their level of engagement. So somebody who added to cart at level four, will talk to them very differently than somebody who's at level one, who don't know who you are at all. Level two is very different than mm -hmm. You know, level three, sometimes we'll aggregate them together. We might actually have to do this with this new iOS thing. The point is, it's like each level, we have different ad assets that we typically will use, templates that we use, and that we have language in the ad copy that is templatized that works pretty much universally throughout all of e-commerce. And it's amazing how well it works. And that's how we systematize and sort of organize all of our campaigns, and you can see this in every single tier 11 ad account, not just the e-commerce ones. And it works really, really well, and it helps to scale and grow all these companies, but also utilizing different assets and really speaking to people where they are in the customer journey. And that's the key to conversion. Your messaging has to be different based upon how much they've engaged with your brand. And that's why the e-commerce ad amplifier works so well. That's awesome. I love it. Now, I'm wondering with the changes, if you would add a step in there on lead acquisition, mm. although e-com isn't really lead-ish, that being said, you know, get this coupon, do this BOGO, some sort of you know, fake scarcity or real, some enticement to grab the data so you can, in the, you won't know until you run the spend. I yeah. mean, you run a hundred million a month, so you'll know pretty quick if that's going to work or not. For me, we've tracked I'm going to one up you here. We've tracked 7 billion <laughs> and we've seen that sometimes that can make a big difference. And sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's just like cart who cares. Uh, yeah. Who cares? But I mean, sometimes it's like the cart in the, in the bottom works so well, it doesn't matter. I should say. And then sometimes that, that consideration of, okay, here's my email, but I'm not going to buy yet is a big factor. Cause then you can use that on other platforms as well. If you do multi-platform, you grab the email, then you don't have a sync tool, like maybe plus this is really good. Send them out to the different ad platforms and you're retargeting them everywhere 
with your messaging structure, which I love the messaging structure. I think it's awesome. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's worthy of consideration. My, my guess is this, is that, and I've seen this with pretty much everything that we've done inside the e-com ad amplifier. Like I'm separating out traffic based on levels one through five. One is cold. Five is they're a purchaser. But in some cases, you have products that are more of impulse buys. Let's say it's something mm -hmm. like, you know, we had a customer that makeup. sold, you know, well, not necessarily, sometimes makeup is, sometimes it isn't. It depends on the price point. So if you think about like how the e-com ad amplifier works, it really is powered, especially if the purchase takes a little bit of consideration more than just, hey, I'm going to buy that. Hey, I see that cool t-shirt. I'm going to get it. Like the e-com ad amplifier doesn't work as well for impulse buys like a t-shirt. We had a company that worked for us for a while that sold, you know, specific pieces of art that were tailored towards like the 20 something crowd. Like they don't have to think about it all that much. You don't need like level one, two, three, four, five. Mm -hmm. You just need like level one and then probably add to cart like retargeting or jumble like levels two, three, four together, aggregate them all together. So you have in essence, a cold traffic campaign, and then, an, and then a retargeting campaign. And those work pretty well. You don't need to separate it all out because there's not as much thought process, there's not as much investment that's needed in consideration in order to create the conversion. So to your point, running lead ads in front of an offer on e-commerce, I think is smart, especially if you have a higher priced product, mm -hmm. or if you have a product that lacks a specific amount of differentiation in the market and you're looking for a way to differentiate yourself. You might be able to do that with a lead event prior, then giving them a discount code, a coupon code, something like that, and then engaging them in that way. But for impulse buys stuff below like, you know, $20, $30, I don't know as if that's necessarily going to be the case because you're just going to have to see the ball, hit the ball, like get the purchase and, and get your ass out of there. 20 bucks. Yeah, exactly. I agree. That's cool. So you're managing um, 100 mil now. What would like the the steps to get up there? We have a lot of agency listeners. Mm. Like, you don't just roll out of bed and manage 100 mil. No. I don't know. I mean, didn't Dog Balls Media do that good? <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be the name, actually. Oh, Scott man. was instrumental in the naming of Tier 11. We, we, had, a naming, we had a naming brainstorm <laughs> while Hazy in Austin, I was, Texas. I think it was a couple after over, a massive a Metallica BS. concert. Hang <laughs> yeah, on. that's right. That was fun. <laughs> Gonna do I that was again pushing sometime. for Dog Balls Media, but Tier 11 won. <laughs> tier 11 won out, that's right. <laughs> Too bad. It was a close second, though. You were like right in there. <laughs> the Scott. most memorable name ever. I'll have to yeah. start my own Google. It totally is. I know. I know. I think you, I oh wait! Just... Before we get into that, so are you are you doing? So you're doing other channels. You found like because mm. we're hearing a lot about Pin. We we've yep. got a, a stronger integration with Pin now. We may go full bore, same as Google <laughs> on Facebook, pending what the users want. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we. Uh, it's just based on demand, I and mean, I think if you look at most people when they come to us or most companies when they come to us, they're interested in Facebook and Instagram. Like that's mm -hmm. what they're looking for. That's what they want. What they really need is really a broad-based media uh, approach. I mean, Facebook and Instagram is the great place to start because, you know, I mean, if you've got three, four billion monthly active users, if you aggregate all their, all their platforms together, that's a ton of people. That's almost half the world's population. So, <laughs> yeah. Why not start there? So there's plenty of traffic to go around just on Facebook and Instagram. But what we realized is that a lot of the things that we're doing on Facebook and Instagram is interruption marketing. So 
if that's the case, then why not go to other channels? So what we wanted to do for the last you know, seven years is perfect all our SOPs and all our processes for one channel and focus on that one thing. You know, I'm a big believer in getting really, really good at one thing and then diversifying, not the other way around. And we did that. And then we realized that, okay, we can transfer a lot of these learnings to other platforms. So the first one that we started looking at was Snapchat. Then we branched out to TikTok, Pinterest, now we're on YouTube. We feel like YouTube is going to be really, you know, just additive to what we're doing on other platforms. And then last but not least, I don't think we're going to go into search as much. We have folks that we recommend out on search, but for branded search, it's just a layup. It's so easy based upon the fact that you're creating awareness on all the other channels and they go in Google search. And if you don't have good rankings, then, you know, you at least have some branded search or for your e-commerce people. If you're not using Google shopping, you're leaving money on the table big time. So it wasn't because we didn't want to, it's because we realized that we have to get good at that one thing. We resisted a lot of that call inside the agency, at least from a CEO perspective, to diversify. Because I always sort of think like, if you diversify, sometimes you diversify. And I would much oh. rather be really, really good. And I think we've got systems now and we've got media buyers that are on all these channels that are starting to really crush it. But our bread and butter is still Facebook and Instagram. If you like, you can make very good business on Facebook and Instagram alone. I, I wouldn't feel like the need to go to these other platforms, but from our perspective, it's great to know that we're diversifying away from just one, which I think as a business owner, you really have to strongly consider. Diversify. Diversify. Man, that's key slang right there. I never heard that one. <laughs> <laughs> New jargon. Man, don't Whatever. forget about Clubhouse. I've been on for a day. I already hate it. I'm probably gonna... <laughs> I'm like, it's millionaires helping other people make more money. And it's all just like, hey, slide into the DMs and they're going to want to friggin' sell you some crappy course. Oh, yeah. It's horrible. I'm already like, I'm not an app person. You know, I'm too old, I guess. <laughs> That's why yeah, I got the Guns N' Roses shirt on. I'm turning, so I turned 50 in November. I don't know if we cleared up yet. Mm -hmm. GNR is playing in Australia, New Zealand, November. So, Ramco. Mm. And I wrote that could that could work. I see could. a uh, trip down under post, uh, you know, post COVID. Things are all yeah. squared away. Yeah. Let us, We're all inoculated let and us immunized. Diseased Americans in the freaking country. Hopefully they will. <laughs> they probably won't by then. They're smart. <laughs> no, they're not letting that. They're going to kill it. Some pigeon made it down there. They're going to kill it. Some pigeon pitched a ride and made it. I don't know how they knew. They have like little ID things on their legs. Some oh homing pigeon <laughs> made it to Australia. That's They're gonna awesome. They don't allow any livestock. And I'm like, just well, ship it back then. Guy's uh, a trooper. He made it down there. Hook him up. No kidding. <laughs> I thought he flew. Yeah. Well, this, I mean, I don't think he could fly like what is it, eight thousand miles or something. You know, there is the Arctic turn, which goes from the Arctic Circle to Antarctica twice in a year. I just found that out. Just fun facts for the podcast that so has he just nothing rode to the, do with the show. Just rode the wind. He <laughs> <laughs> rode the wind. That's right. Just flew. Get out there and just hung out. I mean, because soon you're going to take a nap, eat and stuff. You can't just like ride that gale. Yeah. Park. I don't know. It's amazing. Sleep, sleep half brain at a time. I don't know. So one other thing I wanted to cover before I let you get on with your wicked weekend here was, um, you know, the, the plateaus of agency. Like, yeah, I mean, obviously you got to level up, but how did you get like the first get going, what happened there? And then how did you like, 
when did you find like were big stepping stones or milestones that caused you to have to, you know, redo everything or change your SOPs or we, we yeah. went through that as a SAS and it's, it's not fun, but when you're over the other side, it's the greatest, but until you are, it's, oh, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, where do I begin there? I'll try and uh, simplify it as much as possible. I mean, you know, I was one guy in his basement fired in the corporate world uh, almost 12 years ago and started this thing, actually started an information product company that nobody wanted, but uh, realized that I liked the marketing. So uh, I started doing affiliate marketing, which was which was great. It was great uh, experience because I mean, you're spending your own money, you're eating what you kill. I'm a sales guy at heart. So even though it's extremely stressful when you've got, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in ads that you spent that day and you don't know whether or not the affiliate network is going to pay you, but it ended up working out okay. And that's how I learned how to do all this stuff and still refer to it to this day. But then, you know, a lot of those affiliate offers just were really shaky. You know, there was, <laughs> was a big FTC roundup in like 2008 that thankfully I was not a part of, but a lot of my friends were and realized that got to get out of this. But I did know how to buy media. So a buddy of mine, I met him at like a, you know, a cocktail party and he said, hey, you know, you mind doing that sort of stuff for me? And I was like, well, I, I got to charge you something. So I charged him a hundred bucks a month. And it was SEO, PPC, and Facebook was just about started at that point. So I had been doing some affiliate stuff with Facebook. It was just all right-hand rail and uh, nothing in the newsfeed. And uh, I started the agency in essence back then. That's like 2010 and 2009, 2010. And, you know, the first thing, my milestone as an agency was to cover the health insurance. That was my first milestone. And that was, I think, $1,300 a month. And I remember the day I actually signed an $1,800 a month customer. I don't know how the hell I did it. And he stayed with me for like five years. And that actually covered the health insurance. So I was like, I can actually make money at this. As soon as people start paying you for a service, I think the light bulb goes off saying, I might actually be able to make this into a business. (laughs) <laughs> so at that point we were doing SEO, we were doing some pay-per-click, but I started to do more and more Facebook. I was actually doing SEO, but silently I was doing like boosted posts to get traffic to these pages. <laughs> so they're like, wow, look at the, all the volume of traffic we're getting. I'm like, yeah, my SEO is just killer. <laughs> and finally I sort of squared up with my customers. I was like, listen, a lot of this is coming from Facebook. Why don't we just transition over? And this is about 2012, 2013, when ads started appearing in the newsfeed. And as soon as I switched over there, there really were not Facebook ad agencies back then. If you guys can remember way back when, there was like me and like two or three other guys, and that was it. And now there's thousands of them out there. You know, you can't like go on your newsfeed without like getting bombarded by some idiot trying to portray himself as a real agency (laughs) when all he's doing is just total dog shit. But anyway, then we that we realized that that was it. So that was sort of the thing, and that's the thing that 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 uh, helped propel me to that next level from, you know, eighteen hundred dollars a month to finally I'm making five figures a month, and then, you know, eventually up to six figures a month. And it was just a step by step process. And the big thing that I had, and I tell this to all of our coaching students, we have a program for agency owners that you know we we started last year. It is I had this little post-it note on my monitor, the same monitor I'm looking at right now when I'm seeing Wicked Scott's, you know, handsome GQ face. 
You know, is, I did shower. <laughs> I know. I've noticed that. Thank the hair looks good, good today, by the way. Thank you. I'm a little bit I jealous. Quite it. I quite yeah, it. Very well. I had a little note that said, what did I do today that I no longer want to do tomorrow? And that was when I realized like everything that I was doing, I was doing too much and working 80-hour weeks. As soon as I started to diversify and actually hand off tasks and hire people that were better than me, complementary to my skills, not like complementary, like, yeah, Ralph, you're the greatest. It's like the things that I wasn't great at, mm -hmm. I started to hire for. And as soon as I got more and more customers, all I did is I plowed that back into people that were doing the things that that people could do the things that I didn't want to do and that were better at it. And then at that point, that's when we started to scale. And then all of a sudden, it's just zeros. It's like adding zeros onto your, you know, you, you, you're paying a $100 American Express bill. Then you're spending, you're, you're paying a, a, a $1,000 American Express bill. Then you're paying a 10000 yeah. And then you're, you know, now we're 100000 <laughs> You know, good every points from that. Good miles. Good, freaking great points. Can't freaking use the fact. miles. Though, Where do you think I got all my Christmas presents? Cash back. Yeah. <laughs> and you have time to do all those shoulder shrugs. Look at those delts you got rolling. <laughs> well, you know that's the uh, that's the COVID time shoulder shrugs. Yeah. Well, the gym's right over there, so I, I have no excuse. Wicked Scott. I did, Scott. A, I did it, it to about, uh, right before this. That's why I had to shower. That's good. That's good. Looking that's pretty healthy. awesome. From affiliate so the, networks to that was it. Yeah, it was just. Every level, you're like, you're just overcoming your fears of that level. And we see that with customers right now. You know, we have customers that are six-figure customers and they're trying to get to seven figures. We have seven-figure customers trying to get to eight figures. It's like, it's just overcoming your own internal limitations as to what is possible. And for us, nobody had done what we now do, yeah. which was a virtual Facebook and Instagram ad agency. We've got now over 50 people that work for us. But it started with me and a VA in my basement, and she's actually still with us today. She just wow. messaged me on Slack as we're talking. No way. That's yeah. awesome. So that's how we did it. And you know, we'll continue to do it. We're gonna double in size again this year. So that's pretty cool. You have the same VA. We've only had one person voluntarily leave, but he was getting promoted to CTO. And then he wants now he wants to come back. So it's pretty good rating. I like that. that's good when you get the same people can stick with you. That's an accomplishment. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I have an intention for this year to remind me of the, what you said, which was uh, understand the forces in play and take the best next step. Because mm. that kind of reminded me of your journey. Like, because you're always like, you got these goals, but what are you going to do like today? Like, okay, what, what can I do now that inches me forward? Yeah. And it's, a, it's, a, it's a grit. It's a mental grit game as much as... Um, you know, being, being smart or, you know, being in the right place, at the right time, you still got to like do the work. You got to do the work. Like that is a really good point. So I had a former quasi partner. He was always looking for the hack. I'm like, there is no hack to success. It's do the freaking work, like get down, like work the 70, 80 hour weeks. Like he wanted to be four hour work week guy and let everything <laughs> yeah, happen to him. Hour. Like that doesn't happen. Like no. I'm still not there. I'd like to be there. You know, but I don't know. Like the drive, I have an is, occasional that's like thirty, and those are nice. That's because you know what? I, I'm obsessed with what I do anyway. I like it so, but I calculate I work twenty thousand hours easily in attribution, easily because <laughs> I got into it. I, I got into it saying when we met, it was like twenty eleven. Yeah. And like, have I ever worked less than sixty hours minimum? Even then, I'm still thinking about it. Like, I'll be at my kids watch play hockey, and then when he's off the ice, I'll be like, "Geez, you know, if we put this tracking code here and did this event, and then we could track this shit." So true. So <laughs> true. Ends. You're constantly thinking about it, but 
Like in that business, that's business and entrepreneurship. I mean, if you don't love it, then you shouldn't you, be doing it. And you're going to probably fail. I mean, maybe yeah. there's a couple edge cases of people that, I don't know. I think you got to be obsessed about it to win. There's too many people fighting for the same pie too. You I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Hey, this to. was awesome, man. Thanks so much for coming on. You bet. It's well, been fun. It's been a good time. And then, um, you know, this stuff clears up. I'll be, I'll be down in the Cape rocking a few cold ones with you. Looking forward to it. We got the Me outside too. patio, just installed the outdoor TV. We're ready for you, man. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> I'm earmarking the end of the month. All right. Sounds take good. it easy. Ralph Burns, ladies and gentlemen. Uh-huh.